Support for this episode of 9 to Thrive HR is brought to you by Cielo. Rise above with global recruitment process outsourcing solutions custom tailored to your business objectives, industry, and culture. To learn more, please visit www.cielotalent.com. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of 9 to Thrive HR, a podcast produced by HCI where we discuss some of the most pressing issues facing talent management today and help surface ideas and solutions to those problems by speaking to experts and practitioners in the field. My name is Randy Kenny, and I'm your host for today. I'm joined by Alina Carl, Recruiting Leader at Access Communications. Alina, thanks for joining us on this podcast today. Thank you, Randy. It's always a pleasure to do something for HCI. And Alina, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Access? Sure. Um, so at Access Communications, I am a recruiter here for North and Central America. So I recruit for everything from Canada down to the Panama Canal. Uh, fortunately for me, even though I am the sole talent acquisition person here at Access in North and Central America, I do have other HR team members that help me out quite a bit. Um, I've been in recruiting for 10 years. Uh, my background is technical recruiting, and now I have been able to take that skill and not only bring it to technical positions at a technical company, but uh, recruit for everything from marketing to sales to even management level positions. And Elena, you recently participated in an HCI webcast where you discussed the importance of quality of hire. What are the primary characteristics of a high quality hire in your opinion? Yeah, um, so when we talked about this uh, back when we did that podcast, for me, the the importance of quality of hire, and actually this is true for access in general, is we're always trying to look for a match to the core values first. So our core values always open, uh, think big, and act as one. Uh, Those values are key to, to who we are as an organization. So when we recruit, we ask questions in regards to those uh, values. Um, the next thing we're looking for is knowledge, skills, and abilities. But I think it's important to point out that we're not looking for solely them having the exact skills that we need. We're not only looking for basic knowledge of things and the basic skills, but we're also looking for that potential to learn. You know, we might be looking for somebody who's a five on a scale of one to ten, uh, but they need to have that potential to learn the knowledge, skills, and ability. And it's a great, valuable way to think about it because it helps us with reducing turnover and increasing longevity because these employees have something to do. They have more to learn and gain, and it keeps them engaged. And recruiting can be challenging for companies like Axis that aren't always well-known household names. What are some ways that Axis works to overcome this challenge? Yeah, so um, what we try to do in order to overcome this challenge, because we aren't a household name outside of the security industry. I do want to add one little caveat. In the security industry, we are very well known, but it's true. Outside that or industry, really people don't know us very well. So marketing positions, technical positions, uh, really anything that is not looking for a specific skill set within the security realm can be a challenge for us. So what we're looking for or what we do is we do participate in the Great Places to Work survey every year. It is a fantastic opportunity for us to do a couple of things. We get to look at how unhappy our employees are, um, make improvements, and we use it as a branding tool. Both last year and the year before, so 2014 and 2015, we made the uh, top 25 list. We were 16 and 17 respectively. 
for great places to work for small to medium businesses, which is really nice to know that. And it's a great branding tool for us. The other thing that we try to do is target our message to the right market. So we use a lot of niche sites, not just the large standbys, which, you know, Glassdoor, Indeed, LinkedIn, I love all of those. But being able to target those niche sites is very important. The other thing is, the final thing, is really encouraging our employees to share and become part of the recruitment team. You know, I, I think one of the things that I have to say that I love about Access is that we don't just say, sure, you can use social media to use to post that job that we put up there, but we really actually have provided them training so they can feel comfortable using social media. The other thing that we've done is we offer a referral bonus. So, you know, it's kind of icing on top of the cake. Fortunately for us, our employees are very happy working here. So the money is just sort of like a little extra incentive. They're already very comfortable saying it's great to work here. Come on over and join us to their friends. So, and, and the great thing about in, involving our employees in becoming part of the recruitment team and sharing the jobs that we have available is it reduces how much sourcing that I have to do as a recruiter. That is a very time-consuming and expensive process. So any way we can reduce the amount of sourcing we have to do, it makes life a little bit easier. Another big topic that you touched on in that uh, recent webcast, Selena, was innovation in recruitment practices. What are some of the most significant innovations that you've implemented at Access recently? Well, again, looking at the branding plan, we're trying to look at how we could stay ahead of the game. You know, we obviously use the standbys and like LinkedIn and Indeed, but one of the new options we chose this year was Glassdoor. Before it was kind of known as a, as a almost a, I hate to say it, a bashing site, which really isn't an accurate representation of it. Because what I found is that people write both positive and negative, and nobody expects any company to be perfect. Um, and so they take that information into context when they're looking at job openings and they're looking at reviews. So really um, investing in Glassdoor for us this year has been um, a phenomenal turn and we're seeing increased applications because of it. And we're seeing increased quality applications, which is great. You know, and then of course we have to continue to look what's next. What's the next big site? Um, you know, something that I'm looking at, I don't think it's quite, we're quite ready to move into it is the Muse, right? So that is a, a website that is really focused on employer branding, posting jobs, really letting people know what your company is all about before they even see the openings that are available. And I love the concept, but we're not ready to move into that phase yet. So as I said before, one of the great things that actually, I didn't take this on myself, and I love that my marketing team uh, decided to, to help out within this aspect is they provided training to our employees in social media. So really it was encouraging employees to get involved in social media beyond, you know, their personal lives. Go ahead and share your story about your life at Access. Talk about, you know, the trade show that you're at or the trade show you're working on. Talk about the job openings that are available in your department. Talk about this interesting case you've had to work on. So, you know, really giving um, our employees training, you know, I, I think as much as people are comfortable with social media, especially Gen Y and Gen Z coming through, um, they're still not 100% confident in what they can and can't say. And we want to let them know it's okay to say almost anything. Um, so providing them those skills has been really, really helpful. 
Um, then the final thing that we've really kind of implemented that was different this year is we've introduced a video interviewing pilot. This kind of ups our branding quotient after the person has applied. We're using it after they've applied. We send them the video interview, but they get to see the manager and they get to see their peers talking in video about why they like the company, why they like the job, what it's like, so they can really know what to expect. And then when they provide that answer, the answer is it really allows us to, to kind of avoid that misinterpretation that you get with an initial phone screen. So there's that 90-10, 90% of communication is body language, and you don't lose that 90% when you're doing it over the phone, right? So that has helped us. And the other thing is, is it's been great because it's helped us reduce workload and reduce time to fill. I know it sounds a little um, overzealous, but I would say that on average, we do about 14 phone screens per position. That's quite a lot of time to be spending on a phone interview. And following up on that, Elena, what are some innovations that you're hoping to leverage in the future? Actually, we are looking at a couple of really great things. The nearest thing is we want to update. It's not really an innovation for, for human resources as a whole or for talent acquisition as a whole. But for us, our applicant tracking system is a little antiquated. So we're really looking at a mobile platform. We've decided on a finalist. We're looking at an implementation to take place probably this summer. But this applicant tracking system has a one-minute apply time through the mobile platform. So somebody can apply directly from their phone in less than a minute, which I love that. I think that's going to make a huge difference. I think it's easy in such a tight job market for people to lose focus and not be interested in spending 15 minutes trying to apply for a job when most people are on mobile devices. It wouldn't be easy to apply without a mobile platform anyways. There's one more thing that I would say that we're looking at uh, to actually take effect this year that's very quick. Um, We have the open house that we've done in the past, which is a fantastic event for us. We actually bring people, students, adults, et cetera, in for an evening to do an open house. They meet with managers. We give them a little rundown of what Access is about. Um, it's been a very successful event for us. It really gets the word out about Access, and it lets people know that you know we're a company that really is interested in finding employees that that want to work here that are local. Um, but what we want to do is we want to reach a broader audience since we hire a lot of people out in the field where they're not necessarily very closely located or very close to an office. Um, So we're looking to couple that open house with a digital campaign. So that's something that is a little more abstract right now. We haven't put it all in together. But if we can couple that with a digital campaign, I think that's a great use of how to use, you know, kind of an old school meet and greet with with a new school technology. That sounds exciting. I'll be looking forward to hearing more about that as it takes shape. And Alina, if you yeah, could, uh, given it. all your years of experience, um, if you could give our podcast listeners just one thing that they could really start doing today to make their hiring processes better, what would that one thing be? You know, something that I would say is that you have to think long term. So in addition to these things, we're looking to take effect in the, near, in the next few months, the new ATS and coupling an open house with a digital campaign, is we're looking at a way to um, really think about, are we targeting the right market? Um, are we meeting their needs? 
more in a broader spectrum. So not are we hitting marketing, sales, et cetera, but we have to look at things like the changing demographics. For example, um, I think all of us know the term talent war. Well, how can we win without fighting, right? One of the things that's happening is baby boomers are moving out. These are educated, um, a very experienced people that are moving out of the workforce gradually. Some are choosing to stay in. And so how can we meet the baby boomers' needs? And, you know, for example, are we meeting their requirements for flexibility? They may not want to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week anymore when they reach retirement age, but they may want to keep their hand in now and then. Is there a consultant opportunity that we can offer them? Can we offer them part-time benefits? How can we keep that valuable knowledge? The other thing that we need to look at is the fact that as we move into this changing demographic, you know, we're looking at what else can we do? Fewer and fewer of Gen Y and Gen Z people are getting college educations. It's just not affordable. So we've actually started creating some lower level positions, uh, more entry level positions that don't necessarily require a bachelor's degree. And they're getting two things. They're getting on the job training and we have a very generous tuition reimbursement program. So I would say that for people that want to make improvements, look at one thing that you want to make and change and look at what your future needs are. So if this is the one thing that you want to do to change where you want to go in the future, engage your stakeholders, build a case for that change, and then pick one particular department or group to try it out on. You can't win everybody over at once, but if you can pilot one group and show the effectiveness of it, that's huge. So for companies that are looking to make improvements in their hiring process, you know, you might be looking at, hey, in order to engage more people, in order to get more candidates in, I want to engage more people in social media. So that might be building a business case to create a program to encourage employees to talk about the job opportunities within their demographics. So what are we offering to them that they find exciting? Is it that job flexibility? Is it tuition reimbursement? Is it on-the-job training? Okay. And the other thing is, look at your referral program. Do you have one? Is the incentive adequate? Do they like their job? If you're lucky and you work for a company where employees really like their jobs, and I think that many companies take this into account nowadays, the question becomes, is the referral bonus adequate? If it's adequate and people are happy, then you're probably going to get even better referrals. If people aren't so happy, how can you make changes in order to make improvements so you're changing the culture over time? So that's what I would look at when it comes to recruitment. It really is a bottom-up process. Alina, thank you so much for sharing your expertise on recruiting today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I hope that the information I provided was helpful to somebody. And I, I have to tell you that I love working with HCI whenever possible. Thank you so much, Alina. We'd also like to thank all of you tuning in and encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. Lastly, one more big thank you goes to Cielo. Without their generous support, HCI couldn't deliver great content like this. If you're interested in learning more about what we discussed in today's episode, you can find more resources at hci.org. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of HCI, this is Randy Kenny.